Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. crashes in you know it's time to begin and wherever you are whenever you are and however you happen to be listening we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to dlc especially if you're one of our geeks in snakes using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run we're gonna be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be and that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! Squarespace brings the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games. And there are many forums, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's all with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. And sometimes Christian Spicer... There's no good way to start the show, and it's hard. It's hard to start the show, to talk about a hobby that we like and we enjoy and brings us happiness and connects us with people and adds fun to our lives and yet is about, so often, violence and guns and gunfire and the real world too often in the history of the show has made that hard to keep enjoying that and to feel a lightness and a joy and an excitement about talking about that hobby. But here we are again, Christian Spicer. Hello. Hello. Um, I, if you're in the United States, I encourage you to um, call and write a letter to your representative and to your senator and ask them what they are doing now, not what they've done, what they're doing now. I don't know, man. And that's the answer is nothing. That's whatever. And I'm not telling you what to tell them to do. If you think it's better mental health access, ask them what they're doing to make that available. If you think it's stricter gun control, ask them what they're doing to make that available. If you think it's more people need to be armed, ask them what they're doing to make that possible. Ask them what they're doing now. And if you'd really like to, you can sit down. It'll take you about an hour. And you can write one basic letter. And you can tweak it just a little bit. And you'll have 52 letters. Go buy 52 stamps and 52 envelopes. You now have a letter to send to your representative every single week. 
for a year. Tweets don't do much. Phone calls and letters do more. Take the time to think about the change you want to see in the world and find a way that you can make it happen. Even though we're all very busy and preoccupied with our own crap, find a way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously our hearts are hurting and uh, I'm certainly, I can, I think I can speak for Christian as well. Uh, thinking about the people in Ohio and in Texas and all over the world, all over this country um, that deal with this stuff far too often. And like I said, it's hard, man. It's hard to talk about games that so often involve guns and shooting and killing. Um, but we're going to persevere. Uh, I think this show might be a little bit different than others because I I have a heavy heart <laughs> tonight and it's hard to kind of get myself out of that. So it, I apologize. If you want to turn off this episode right now, that's fine. We're going to talk a little bit about this, I think, in the show. And these are usually the episodes where we get angry emails and mad iTunes reviews and fewer listeners and people saying, I'll never listen to the show again. And so be it. So be it. Because um, some things are a little bit bigger than an uh, audience and video games and stuff. And, and this stuff overlaps with our lives, you know. So uh, maybe we'll talk a bit about it. And we do have an awesome guest, a guest that I have wanted to have on the show for a while now. And I, I don't mean to Shanghai him and, 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 you know, get him into a position where, uh, you know, we're not, not doing a regular version of the show. We will be talking about stories of the week and the games we've been playing and all the stuff that you guys enjoy for the show. Uh, but we have to address this first. And you know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, uh, I'm very pleased to say the DLC stands for DM Leonard for commissions because we have illustrator and digital artist as well as the co-creator of the Mega Dads blog, Adam Leonard. He's joining us for the first time on the show. Welcome, Adam. Thank you for having me, guys. Um, before we before we get going, I feel like it's appropriate for me to kind of touch on what you guys have talked about. Um, I'm obviously, you know, I'm. I'm known for mega dads. Um, so I'm, I'm a father, I'm a father of two kids, one of which is going to be starting kindergarten next month. And, uh, it's really tough in today's world when you have to mute the TV, um, more often than not, uh, because you want to be able to address what's happening in the world and not your kid to see, uh, to see it with their own eyes. Um, not that you want to filter it out, but you, you know, those, those are really difficult conversations to have with a five-year-old. And it's becoming increasingly obvious that I'm going to have to have those sooner than I really want to. Um, it's been hard to avoid this weekend for sure. Um, but on top of that, I've kind of uh, taken a little bit of heat like you guys are talking about where I've recently decided that I'm, you know, it, I, I have a small platform, but I definitely feel that it's incumbent upon me to voice some of my positive beliefs on the world and when you have a platform like this where people tend to come at you for video game news or or art, in my case, they don't always want to hear your views on the world. But um, I'm a human first and a content creator second. And much like much like you just spoke to, Jeff, um, if I get less followers for it, so be it. But this world is kind of uh, really feels like it's at a tipping point 
And I have to be a, a foundational person before I can appease people that, you know, might want to just hear about my latest takes on PSVR. Right. Yeah. And, and I've been doing a lot of thinking about that this weekend. Um, I was traveling with my sister's wedding and uh, that is a, a time of reflection. And I was in a part of the country that is very, let's just say gun first. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I started, you know, I was really reflecting on all of this as it was happening and as I was absorbing the news. Um, and we have just by happenstance been talking the last couple of weeks on the show about whether we think video games are an, you know, an influence in that in gun culture in in, um, in the romance of, you know, romancing of guns, the, uh, the fetishization of guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's hard for me to look down the, down the pike and see, uh, something like Borderlands three coming, you know, wh- whose entire franchise is a, a franchise I've enjoyed very, very much. And it's basically guns, guns, guns. There's so many guns in this game. How many guns? All the guns. There's so many guns. And as a gamer, as somebody that's grown up enjoying games where I shoot things and always thinking about it as a flight of fancy that just did no relationship with the real world. I've always looked at guns, guns, guns as, Oh my gosh, I, as a gamer get all these cool new options of how I'm going to strategically deal with the situation. And it's a, it's an opportunity to play the game in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. I like a lot of guns in in my shooter game because it provides variety to this problem that I am dealing with in the game. It's a puzzle and I'm figuring it out, but it's hard to keep that dissociation going and that dissonance, that cognitive dissonance going when it does feel like, yeah, no, it's just a, a fetishization, a, a, a celebration of this thing that I think is a problem is clearly a problem. And I've looked at myself, I mean, I'm not picking on Borderlands 3 specifically. I'm just kind of using that as an example of a lot of things. I mean, I love The Division. There's a lot of games that I like that guns are the primary means of interacting with the world. Um, But it's hard for me not to take a second and think about that stuff in the light of this constant reminder of how horrifying these moments are in people's lives and how fearful we as a populace are becoming to just go out in public and be around one another and how easy it is for these things to happen to our loved ones, to our community, to our friends, to our neighbors and not feel like, man, I don't know. Am I contributing to this? Am I, is my hobby in any, in any small way, even though I do not believe that video games make violent people, violent video games make violent people, I do not believe that to be true. But I feel like there's this argument, this national argument happening right now between people who are vehemently arguing for the status quo to stay the same. And those of us are saying something has to happen. Something has to change. We can't just keep accepting this as part of life and going, 
man, it sure would be great to change it. Thoughts and prayers, but moving on till the next time when we feel rotten again and still nothing changes. And there are people who are just like, no, 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 status quo, status quo, do not change anything. And if I believe that, if I look at that and go, no, I am in the camp that says something has to change. I kind of feel like I got to be one of those people. I got to change something in my world. What can I change? Am I advocating for the status quo? Do I get back on my video game podcast and talk about how excited I am about the new features in Call of Duty because there's going to be 65 players in a map and we get to kill so many more people with those guns and there's accurate recoil and all the weapons because that's part of the news that happened this week. Do I still get excited about those things and say status quo, status quo? Or do I start thinking about how I can change, how my messaging can change and how maybe I have to be better about putting the spotlight on games that don't have their primary means of interaction through the barrel of a gun. I don't know. I'm, I'm throwing this out to the two of you because like I said, I, I start this episode with a heavy heart this week and I don't know what to do with it. What, one thing that I've definitely discovered as a parent is sometimes when you are at your lowest and your view of the world might be garbage, um, your kids are looking for a reason why it's not. And as, as a steward of, you know, these people in the world and who, how, how I'm trying to raise them, it's, it's my responsibility to see the darkness, but also to put life in perspective. Um, yes, the world is scary and, and there are a thousand reasons why you should be apprehensive about opening that front door. But at the same time, we have to keep going and we have to show our kids and we have to show ourselves what it is that makes life not scary and makes life better than the fears that, that might be put upon you. And so, yeah, while I think, you know, it's scary as heck to send my kid to kindergarten, I have to show him why it's important to be brave, why it's important to find joy and happiness and why it's important to better yourself because by bettering yourself and by seeing that light, that's how you can spread it to other people. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm trying to stay positive with my kids. Uh, they're too, way too young to have any awareness of it at all. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I do with this responsibility that I feel. Right. Well, I mean, yes, be introspective. Also think about what you've, yeah, be introspective. Think about what you've done and what you can do. Um, and I'm not trying to say it's not video, you know, we, we've talked about it in length in the past couple of episodes. Um, but I know that Europe has video games. Yeah. I know Japan has video games. Yeah. South Korea. Lots of video games. So many video games. China has legislation trying to limit the amount of video games that people are playing. So many video games. Yeah. Um, do you know what they don't have? Yeah. Mass uh, shootings every other week. A weekend where Trump can do a two-for-one tweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, yeah. so I don't, you know, look at the variables. Look at what's different between places where things happen. And again, I'm not going to give you an answer. Um, well, but look at I up. am. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm willing to, to say, you know, I, I tweeted this earlier um, that I'm going to start 
instead of tweeting, <laughs> I said this in a tweet, I guess it's a little ironic, but uh, instead of tweeting when I'm upset, I'm going to start donating money to gun control or anti-NRA organizations. A couple of them I can mention on the show if anybody is interested. Again, we're not here telling you what to do. We're working through this. At least that's my intention is to just sort of be honest and uh, express the conflict that I feel inside about loving this hobby and loving violent entertainment and seeing violence in the world and wanting it to stop or at least change in some way. So uh, a couple of, I think, uh, worthwhile organizations that you may need to be aware of or you may be interested in. Every Town and uh, Moms Demand Action. Uh, you can find those on Twitter at Every Town and at Moms Demand. Uh, both of them, I think, are doing looks to be uh, solid work in trying to get sensible gun control laws passed. Um, again, may not be your solution, and you may have already unsubscribed to the show as a result of us talking about it. I get it, but you know what? <laughs> I can't just shrug it off some weeks, some weeks too often. We've started this show and we've paid lip service to it and moved on some weeks. It just feels too heavy and I can't just do the intro and move on. So if there's anything else you guys would like to say, we will attempt to move on, but uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of a, uh, crisis. I mean, there's part of me that's like, I don't want to talk about video games anymore. Uh, you know, there's part of me that's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It feels hard to have it feel like escapism to me sometimes and, uh, not feel like I'm contributing to something, uh, a tenor that is harmful. And you, you know, it is so in, in, intrinsically tied these days to online communities, 8chan and, and uh, the, the scum that seems to congregate there that I, it just sort of feels all part and parcel to the whole thing that just being part of an online community, what am I doing with the community that we're trying to motivate here? What are we doing with it? What are we, it's hard, man. It's hard. All right. Well, I apologize again, Adam, um, but I couldn't just start the show normally this week. So no, we are I, going I to absolutely, move on. Uh, I absolutely agree. Well, thanks. Okay. Let's start the show the way we usually do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And uh, there are lots of actually very interesting stories going on. And Adam, you are our guest, so you get first pick. What would you consider to be your Story of the Week? Well, gosh, I feel like uh, I'm just rolling from one negative hit to the uh, to the other. But uh, <laughs> All right. I uh, I woke up Saturday morning with an interesting text on my phone from a guy named Nick who had my personal contact information. Uh, 
<laughs> courtesy of the ESA and E3. Um, there was a, I don't know if we call this a leak or a hack necessarily, but the uh, the media and the journalists who had applied for E3 and been approved for E3 this year had all of their personal information shared out with the lovely folks on the internet in mass. And we all know what happens when everybody gets a hold of your stuff. Um, I get texts uh, at, at one o'clock in the morning from Nick. <laughs> yeah, I, I picked a really dumb week to come out strong against guns uh, because the people with the guns that get angry now evidently have my home address um, or, a, you know, a, who knows? At this point, it's it doesn't look like it was a leak. It doesn't look like it was a hack. It looks like it was an, a, a real dumb move by the ESA. They literally just posted a spreadsheet of uh, oh, two, over 2,000 game journalists, editors, and YouTubers and uh, made it easily downloadable. Uh, there was a news story, or actually a YouTube video was the first to break it. Um, uh, Sophia Narwitz was the first YouTuber to post the fact that it went up. And the ESA pulled down that link, but evidently for several hours, it was still easily available and multiple copies of this thing have started floating around. Um, as we were talking before we started recording, I've gotten some weird phone calls this week as well. Uh, I didn't even think about it. I just went, Oh, that's an unrecognizable number. I didn't answer it, but it could very well be, you know, this. So, (laughs) so yeah, as you said, Adam, the hits just keep on coming this week. Um, is this just a bonehead move, a, uh, a mistake that's easily, uh, you know, they apologize. They tried to rectify it, I suppose, in their clumsy way. Or is this some larger thing? Is this some more egregious error that reflects even more poorly on ESA and will have ramifications for E3 going forward, do you think? Well, well, I don't know. Did you guys receive the uh, the actual official statement from the ESA? I got an email. I did, yes. I got yes. an email and they talk about how, and I'll quote this, it says, for more than 20 years, there has never been an issue. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, when I get a excuse that, well, we've been doing this for 20 years. And in yeah. today's day and age where everybody is trying to hack and, and um, ransomware you, uh, I would hope that they would have stepped up their procedures over the last 20 no, years. Adam, Adam, I have never in my entire life kicked you in the testicles. <laughs> yeah. So tomorrow, when I show up at your house and do it, just know that I have never done it before. Such, such a long track record of never of never you. doing it. So when you see my foot traveling right toward your crotch, be like, well... What are the chances? You know, it's like and one on a, in a, a million. If we average out the days of not kicking in the testicles, yes, it's so close to zero. It, it's statistically <laughs> insignificant. So it's as if I haven't done it ever. Right. And I, I took my foot back off your testicles after. <laughs> it barely even hurts, really, when you think about it. You're fine. <laughs> like, you're talking. It's So just don't look. It hasn't happened before probably going to happen again but who knows <laughs> so christian do you think that this is going to have longer term ramifications for for e3 i mean we've ar- e3 is already in a weird place as we noted this year at, at e3 uh is this 
Is this a blip or is this something more significant? I think it could be more significant depending on the legal ramifications. I know Europe has stronger privacy laws than the United States does. I'm not sure how enforcing those privacy laws for some of the European media who had their information posted publicly that was said to have been private. Um, I don't know how those that uh, uh, for a company that is based wholly in the United States and doesn't, as far as I know, you know, rate games, it's Peggy, right, in the EU, uh, not the ESA. So I'm not sure what the jurisdiction is there. But I have to imagine that there are people in the United States also looking at some form of um, legal action toward this, um, smaller and bigger data breaches and breaches of confidence have certainly been brought and succeeded in court and also settled outside of court. So if you look at the ESA as an organization that has recently had high turnover in leadership positions, um, large publishers um, pulling out of um, E3, and then a, a, what has to be a boneheaded move, you know, like this happening, um, I think it does have larger ramifications. I, I, I know for one that uh, it, it makes you think about the information you give anybody, right? But certainly it makes you think about signing up for E3 next year. Um, you know, I'm in a different house. What do I put as my, (laughs) looks like I got a PO box, uh, you know, like here's my burner phone, have fun. Um, the, the sad part of it is I think, or the sad reality of it, I think is that it's not hard to find anyone, you know, if, if you really want to. Um, but this is, it's, it's lazy, it's sloppy, and it's inexcusable. So yes, I think there should be larger ramifications. I don't know to what extent they should be, but a hundred percent, I think more than like, uh, Hey Adam, I'm not going to kick you in the testicles. Cause I haven't for, you know, 30 plus years. Don't worry about it. I think their email was sloppy and lazy. And I think their actions were sloppy and lazy. Yeah. It's not even like they were selling our info. It was on a public website under uh, I think it was listed as helpful links. Very helpful. And there, yeah. And there was a link that said registered media list and you click on the link and it downloads the spreadsheet to your computer with addresses, phone numbers, the publications of everybody. Uh, so helpful links, you know, uh, Very, I mean, that, I, that's how I texted you this weekend. I was like, is this finally I can meet Jeff? Um, so I'm glad to, <laughs> to finally, finally, thanks for giving me your phone number. Finally, Jeff, sorry for calling you at 1am Adam, but, uh, you know, now you've had to got, set up the show. You've actually gotten my address to come and kick me in the nuts. So thanks <laughs> a lot. ESA. Yeah. Yeah. Don't open your mail because <laughs> Christian's foot's being mailed to you. Uh, I mean, all right, I, Christian's foot. I, I, just one more thing before we go. I mean, the, the real tragedy of all of this was I didn't even get to go to E3 this year. <laughs> like, I, I got approved. I had some plans made. And then last Aww. minute, I couldn't go. So I just, I got doubly screwed. <laughs> I didn't go to E3. And all I got was this lousy information revealed to the public. <laughs> and, and kicked in the nuts. <laughs> and kicked in the nuts. Well... Oh, well, well we aim to serve. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Uh, and a kick to Twitch's nuts. Um, Ninja is bringing his talents to South Beach. And by yeah, South maybe. Beach, I mean Mixer. And by bringing his talents, I mean streaming exclusively. And that's, I'm not going to explain it any more than that. No, just kidding. Um, in a very, 
Go ahead. But I think I think maybe the signing bonus is equivalent to the reference you're making. I I, I would love to I'd love to know who got more of a signing bonus. Yeah. LeBron yeah. or Ninja. So Ninja in a very splashy announcement video, um, or trailer basically commercial announced that he was done with Twitch. He's ready for his next chapter. He will be streaming exclusively and has been now for a few days on Mixer. And it is rumored to um I gotta email the ESA, see if they have any helpful links for I can find out. Um, it's rumored that they paid him $50 million. The terms of that deal or the amount, as far as I know, aren't final. And the terms also aren't final. It's, is it, I doubt it was, here's $50 million back up the truck. I imagine there are certain terms and conditions. And when Halo Master Chief Collection comes to a PC, you got to, you know, I'm sure there are catches, but also. Oh, yeah. and I'm sure it's long-term. It's not like, uh, you know, go right. for a while. It's probably right. six, seven years of exclusivity but still not bad and it's you know on par with you you know you joked about lebron but this is a major um signing right like it, it's yeah, a sports star this is an, an esports star well i would just say a, a star right like he didn't make it to the finals of uh the Fortnite world cup but that doesn't hurt his shine right he is a personality and he's must see tv right like he's yeah. and it seems to me i don't i'm sure it, someone ran the numbers and it made sense, but it, it doesn't seem outrageous, right? It, it, you're trying to bolster Mixer, Mixer, get Mixer ready for Scarlet and whatever this larger platform pushes for xCloud and their streaming future. And you have the big current biggest face of streaming there ready to go. As long as Microsoft has more plans following this, I, I think it's a pretty smart bang um, you know, out the gates to get going. And I'm curious to see, to see it develop. I'm curious. I want to stick a pin in this, uh, and come back a year from now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what I think is fascinating. Well, that's the question, right? I mean, it, evidently there was a bidding war in the same way that you get LeBron or whoever to visit multiple teams and get into a bidding war. The difference here is there's no salary cap. <laughs> uh, and but, he's with a new, he, he's, I mean, his wife still handles a lot of his, his business, but he also recently, recently, um, is, I forget the name of the management company, but he, you know, he brought in and working with a larger team and he has two books coming out now. Like the Ninja, the brand of Ninja is, is being utilized to its fullest potential in a way that it wasn't before. So who knows which side, I, at least I don't, I don't know which side set up this kind of negotiation started this this ball rolling, but uh, I don't think it's the last we've heard of it. You know, like this kind of movement. Well, it's interesting. I think there's there there are a lot of really interesting ramifications and questions here. One of which is, does this make Mixer a player instantly? Uh, I think, as you said, putting a pin in it, we don't know. We don't know what Mixer's numbers immediately were. Did did how much of a percentage of, of uh, Ninja's audience immediately moved over and watched him on this new platform? Or is it a slower adoption rate? I, I don't know if we'll get answers like that, but I'd love to hear what you guys think about that. Also, does this change the game in terms of Twitch has basically become a powerhouse based on people donating their labor to them, right? They are using the service as a way to make money. Same with YouTube, same with anything else. But now you have these other services that are potentially paying for talent. Does that change things? Is that going to, are there other 
top tier streamers that might get wooed away? And does that change the economy of the entire playing field? Um, I'd love to hear what you think about both of those, Adam. Well, okay. So there's kind of two things here. First, I kind of feel like Mixer is their stock is rising. Um, I, you know, I'm part of smaller circles of, you know, podcasters and streamers. And I've seen a lot of buzz about, you know, Mixer being the up and coming thing. And, you know, it makes sense with, with Microsoft being all about services and integration with the Xbox and this new platform coming that they might make some potentially large moves to integrate Mixer more into their, you know, their core uh, services like Game Pass and things like that. The other thing is, I am really poor at marketing advice. Megadads has an actual MySpace page. So when it comes <laughs> to uh <laughs> when it comes to how to brand yourself properly and put yourself, you know, in in the forefront of of gamers' thoughts, I might not be the best person to ask. Yeah, but who's in your top 8? Uh I, I don't I think I have 5 people in there. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very dated MySpace reference. Um yeah, man, this is, I, th- I think this could either be the beginning of a real restructuring of how all these services work and sort of a, um, a, a talent rush, you know, like a gold rush, a gold rush on talent, um, for a lot of these, these services trying to secure known quantities to expand audiences because Twitch has sort of had their, the field to themselves for a long time and everybody wants in on it. And there's a lot of big movers and shakers that, that have money to burn like Microsoft that, you know, can do this, can just throw cash at people. So either it becomes this big gold rush for talent and the whole thing gets really shaken up and, you know, and, and we are talking about these services in a very different way in 12 to 18 months or this is a very unique case of one guy who has managed to make a name for himself that is larger than any one service. And he is a unicorn and uh, worth the money, but you aren't going to see much of this trickle down to anybody else. And I don't know which of those it's going to be, I but I do it's, think it's going to be one of them. I think it's all of the above, actually. I don't I don't know if you have to pick a side per se. Um, I've been paid to create content for platforms various yeah, me too. various platforms I mean, we are right now <laughs> um yeah right um and and so this isn't a new thing the the number is is new right it's certainly a bigger number but you know mid-market teams make trades at the trade deadline also and, and sign players and try to keep players right like there's the lebron and the zion and these huge signings these huge top tier players uh, the trouts you know pick your sport right um and pick your anything, right? Banksy self-destructing painting sells for X, Y, Z, but there are working painters that sell their paintings for a thousand dollars or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so I think that this is the the biggest number we've seen, but it certainly isn't the first time um, something like this has been done. And I don't think it'll be the last time. And I don't think it will exclude other types of, of content deals from happening either. I think you're still going to continue to see, um, like the MCM approach, uh, which is kind of fizzled, but that was a version of this, right? Where it was like Maker Studio, which I guess is now owned by Disney. And and if you want to look back in the ancient internet history of Vine and Vine stars, you know, getting an apartment together and sharing a thing and doing a thing and branding and working together and, and kind of helping each other or, or 
the Pauls and kind of their network, and they paid other YouTubers to come in and join their group um, and build this bigger thing. And this is just a larger version of that. I think the difference here is that streaming in and of itself is a little more wild, wild west than like a, a, a sport or something that's been around for a hundred years in a way. So it feels new and different in that way. But if rappers have shoe deals and guitarists have exclusive guitar deals, you know, it, it, it totally makes sense. It's just, oh yeah, this is the first time something like this happened. And I almost feel like why hasn't this happened? <laughs> you know, like why fatality had some big deals back in the day. Um, streaming certainly wasn't a thing, but it's like, yeah, as soon as, you know, w- when is Dr. Lupo like lock them down, you know, <laughs> like how important are they to your platform? And if you decide that they're important, lock them down. And if not, you need to make the decision that you as the platform are what matters more than the people on it, because there will always be other fish in the sea or insert your Matthew McConaughey, they stay the same age quote, right? Like it's, it's, I think that's the difference is, is where does the platform view themselves and where do they view the people creating the content for it? And I, that's where I think we're going to, we potentially could see the most movement or change is in, you know, does Twitch feel pressure here or do they feel like they're the top dog and everybody thinks about them first and there's, infinite talent on their platform and who cares? Uh, I, I think it's an open question, but I think it will be a very interesting one to see as it develops. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to do a twofer for my story of the week, uh, because classic Canada, two of these stories, very disparate stories led me down the same rabbit hole <laughs> and it's going to be a little bit, uh, maybe a little self-serving these stories, maybe a little, uh, personal, but, uh, they both led me to a place that I thought was pretty interesting. So we're getting a remaster for Ghostbusters, the video game, which was just announced coming out uh, October 4th. Finally, I've been waiting for decades. This is the H well, a decade because the original came out a decade ago. It came out in June of uh, t- 2009. No, it came out five years ago, Jeff. We've talked about this. A decade of time. Yeah. Christian <laughs> thinks everything is five years ago. Um, and uh, I reviewed that game, Ghostbusters the video game, on the Totally Rad Show as it came out in 2009 with uh, Alex Albrecht and Dan Trachtenberg. And I went back and rewatched that <laughs> that review in light of this news uh, that the remaster is coming out. I was You're like, re-releasing the review remastered? Well, no. <laughs> uh, I wish we could remaster them. Boy, do I wish. I wish I could correct some hairstyle, <laughs> clothing choices. I wish I could shave. Uh, boy, I was a scruffy idiot back 10 years ago. Um, but it, it was a trip going back and watching that thing. Oh my God, it was 10 years ago. And the reason I did it was because uh, I thought maybe we could potentially talk about this story. Uh, but I didn't remember what I thought of the game. I couldn't remember if I liked it or not, which is crazy. Uh, and then also there was a big, the big uh, call of duty, modern warfare, multiplayer reveal event happened this week. And there was a lot of news about that game. One of the things that was news is that, the special big crazy collector's edition, which they're calling the dark edition. It's going to be $200 call of duty, modern warfare, dark edition. 
And the reason it's going to be $200 isn't because you get a season pass, because there's no season passes in this version of the game, which is what they've announced. Uh, it is instead because you get a fully functional, actual pair of night vision goggles. And how this relates to the first story is I went, wait a minute. Wasn't there another Call of Duty that shipped with night vision goggles? And didn't we do a whole episode of the Totally Rad Show about that? And I went, yeah. And I Googled it. And it's true. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 came with the special edition, came with a pair of night vision goggles. And we ended up getting that for the show back when we were doing the Totally Rad Show. And we decided the way we were going to test those night vision goggles is that we were going to play. Pictionary in the dark, and one person wearing the goggles and describing what to draw to the person drawing, and it was a really fun walk down memory lane. Uh, both of those happened a decade ago, so what is old is new again, guys. And uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare giving a special edition thing they have already done in their history. They've already looped around to do the exact same thing they did uh, a decade ago, and also. Uh, Ghostbusters, the video game is back. And it turns out I liked it. I liked it when it first came out. Uh, it had the entire original cast, Sans. It's canon. Yeah, it's canon. It's like Ghostbusters 3. Uh, Sans, Rick Moranis, they had every, or and, and uh, Sigourney Weaver also didn't participate. But everybody else they had, they got, uh, they got everybody. And it's actually a pretty decent game, according to me 10 years ago. Um, what, so, what do you think that it's Activision selling? It's the same night vision goggles. <laughs> <laughs> well, a part of the news story I read was that uh, they're nicer than the ones they did a, a decade ago. But it's like they can't be. Isn't it weird? Isn't they can't, that weird. They also can't be that good. Like two hundred dollars is a lot for a video game. Not that I haven't bought a collector's edition here and there, but two hundred dollars for a video game is expensive. But two hundred dollars for night vision goggles? Those are crappy night vision goggles, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, right. Well, they was good enough to play Pictionary in the first. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know what I even am asking you guys because this, like I said, very self serving story about me going down memory lane twice. But these news stories happened, so what do you think, Adam? I mean, we could just spend like ten minutes talking about your hair and trying to build your confidence up that it wasn't actually that bad. Um, it was I your was pants. That's what <laughs> it, was. it was bad. It was very very bad. I remember the Ghostbusters video game being that game that I was. Really, first of all, it makes me really sick to my stomach that that was 10 years ago. Um, because that means I'm much older than I thought I was. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I remember this being the game that I was so like everything was set up for this game to just be amazing. It's the, it's the original cast, it's it's a pseudo you know sequel, everything's there. And I remember playing it and feeling like I was making myself enjoy it because I love Ghostbusters so much. Uh, right. it, it, it was very, there's nothing wrong with it, but it was very just kind of like standard, you know, movie tie-in kind of game. Uh, dream fulfillment that I just wanted to be so much more. And I think beyond that, it's just kind of fascinating that who is asking for it to be remastered? You know, as much as your, <laughs> yeah. as much as your fondness for this game may or may not be like, it's a, 360 game so it's not super old and it's not close enough to the next movie where you feel like they're going to tie it in marketing wise it's just a bizarre drop i agree with that it is a very odd thing somebody was like hey we have this why don't we 
I don't know, make some more money off of it. Um, but it looks like the remaster based on the trailer that was released uh, f- during this announcement, it looks like they did a decent job remastering it. Uh, it looks a little better. It's in 4K now. And um, the character models look like they they were improved a bit. I mean, it it's all of the main characters and they look pretty good. And as, as I said, I watched my whole review of this from 10 years ago and and we basically thought the game wasn't great but the story was worth playing through it for right right and uh and so maybe it still is and now it's going to be available on playstation 4 switch xbox one and pc through the epic game store so there you go did you ever play this christian i did not uh i remember being passively interested in it and then i'm sure there was something else that i thought was you know more worth the time back in the day um I, I do. I feel like what Adam said, it's like someone looked at this and was like, we have the rights, uh, run, crunch some numbers. We can remaster it for X and we'll probably make Y. Let's get it out the door. And maybe it's trading we'll on the make, fact. We'll make one fifteenth of a ninja. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe it's trading on the fact that uh, we are, it is 10 years. So we're all even older. And while it won't tie into the new movie, you know, Ghostbusters like that, the new movie is trying to even play into nostalgia um in a way that the prior one um with kate mckinnon you know didn't try to lean as heavily into and you know stranger things and we're all getting older and more nostalgic and we none of us have time to play it but we'll see it at target and be like ah i love ghostbusters and then we'll buy it (laughs) and and it's the only way that we will ever get more of that story with harold ramis involved i mean this is that's that's the end of that another another thing to consider is i don't know how much this affects it but this will be going up against luigi's mansion 3 in october Hmm. yeah oh interesting they're both sort of busting ghosts right yeah interesting um i i would say that in the Modern Warfare, Call of Duty Modern Warfare uh, announcement weekend or whatever event that they had, the one bit of news that I want to pluck out of here and actually talk about other than the the goggles, which I found ironic and funny, um, that I think is interesting is that there will be cross-play. They have announced uh, there will be cross-play with all the different Call of Duty Modern Warfare releases on PC and PlayStation and Xbox which is cool. That means a bigger pool of people to be playing with and against. But the most interesting thing that they announced this week was that your placement into which pool you are placed will not be determined by your platform. You will not be placed uh, against Xbox One players if you're playing on Xbox One. It will be determined by your input device. So if you are playing with a gamepad on your PC, you are likely to be playing with and against PlayStation 4 or Xbox One players. And if you happen to be one of those people that plugs in a mouse and keyboard to your console, you are likely to be playing against PC players. That is the determining factor as to how the cross-play places you. And I thought that was pretty smart and and it should have happened a long time ago. Um, but what do you guys think about it? Adam? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously crossplay is becoming more and more prominent and this is going to be a big flagship title to, to really put a good foot forward on that. Uh, I'd, I'd heard this address, you know, what are, what are you guys going to do with, you know, mouse and keyboard is so much more precise. This seems like a pretty smart way to handle it. I have the reflexes of a 95 year old man, so it doesn't matter what platform I'm playing on. It's going to be pretty poor. 
Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. I, I have a Reese flexes of a 95 year old man who is blind and (laughs) (laughs) yeah, hasn't uh, gotten out of bed in 27 years. Um, Yes. I, but, but I do think it's a cool way to do it. And I think it will, I mean, I think if the tech had been there to do it 15, 20 years ago, it would have ended the debate before it even began because it wouldn't have mattered. And I think it's, it's, you know, far past the time when they should have made this decision. Yeah. Fortnite's played with some of this stuff, like limiting who can match with whom and, and where crossplay works. And I think like switch and mo- like if you had a controller on mobile, it matched you with someone or something like it wasn't quite as um, spelled out as I feel like uh, Activision is doing for the call of no, duty. It was just all bots. <laughs> wasn't it just all bots? No, no, no. That was PUBG. That was PUBG mobile. Oh, PUBG. When I got like second on my like- first game and I was like, ah, oh! That was Fortnite when you're like, I, I'm amazing. And then you realize it was all bots. <laughs> no, Fortnite, there are millions of people playing. PUBG Mobile, when it launched, there was apparently just me playing and I still didn't win. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't think it was based, I didn't think it was because there wasn't enough people. I just thought it was like, let's just give this guy a W. Come on. It's just, it's just sad. <laughs> I could have used one. Um, still can. Uh, but so, yeah, I think it is interesting. And, 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 you know, people are always going to be looking for an advantage. They did mention that, like, you can't, if you try to switch mid-round or something like that, it, it can detect it. I'm sure people will still be trying to cheat their way out of it. I mean, people were cheating their way into the Fortnite World Cup. If there's money or fame or accolades to be made by doing better than someone else, um, Lance Armstrong won a lot of Tour de France's, right? <laughs> like, sure, yeah. um, but I, I like this approach, especially for expl- expanding player pools. And I think it's a really interesting way to tackle cross-play that hopefully will keep the playing field fun because it will never be level <laughs> when I'm playing. You're but saying that be fun. there should be a lobby for mouse and keyboard, a lobby for controller, and a lobby for people that swap their blood in the van (laughs) (laughs) among other things. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. Um, Well, let us move on to the games that we have been playing, but first I want to thank our sponsor, which is Squarespace. I know you've heard me talk a lot about Squarespace over the years because I have been using them over the years. Uh, The reason I know that it's been more than a decade is because I looked at a totally rad show from, a decade ago, and I had been already using it for a long time before that. So uh, Squarespace has been in my life for a a lot of years. And that is, I'm grateful for that because if there's any reason for you to make a website, and let's face it, at some point, we all need to make a website. You're going to sell something, you're going to promote something, you're going to blog or really anything, even even short-term things likely are going to need a website at some point point. So why not make it yourself? It's easy. You don't have to pay someone to do it. You can start with the the great templates that Squarespace has that are made by professionals, and then you can just modify them. And it's so easy to do it. It's all just dragging and dropping. What you see is what you get. Move stuff around, drag stuff in, add e-commerce, just you know, drop in the ability to buy and sell things. It's so simple. They also have analytics that help your website grow in real time. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. You don't have to worry about that. There's never anything to upgrade or patch. That's all handled for you in the background. It's just easy. It's just easy to do it yourself. You don't have to pay a professional because you can be the professional. You can make a professional-looking website so simply, just a few clicks. Make it yourself. 
And if you're going to do it, why not get started for free? You just head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. Get your free trial. You don't even have to give them a credit card at that point. And then when you're ready to launch your site, you just use the offer code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. You let them know that you heard about it here on DLC. Again, that's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. And the promo code Jeff sent me. Get yourself 10% off. It is time to talk about the games that we have been playing. And Adam, you get to start. What games have been on your playlist this week? So I recently finished up a game called Sea of Solitude, which was published mm. by EA. Um, those those of the listeners that uh, that follow me on Megadads know that I'm a guy who really appreciates strong storytelling in a game. I am going to say alone time in a boat. Well, <laughs> yes, people who really know me know that I am a severe introvert, and uh, I. <laughs> um, but no, I, I'm a guy that will definitely overlook. Um, I like experiences more than polish. So a lot of my favorite games are games like night in the woods might not be the most, you know, extravagant gameplay mechanic, but it's got a great story that speaks to me. And so I've heard a lot of buzz about sea of solitude and I, I wanted to give this a shot. Um, it's a very narrative focused game. Uh, it puts storytelling and tone over challenge or, uh, or gameplay. Think of something like, uh, like journey, you know, it's, it's very simple to play, but it's got a, a story that it's trying to tell. Uh, you play as a girl named Kay. Uh, she's on a small boat navigating, uh, uh, an ocean, a dreamlike world. There's, there's cities that are submerged underwater. And as you go along in this game, you, you encounter shadowy monster creatures. And the goal of it is to get Kay to return to her true form by overcoming the painful memories of her past. And these shadow creatures that you meet are all representations of people from her life. So there is one shadow creature that is a manifestation of her little brother. And there was something painful that happened in Kay's past with her little brother. And by dealing with this creature, she deals with the trauma of that story. And as you progress through the game, you, you, come across these creatures, you, ex- you express, you know, your loss or, or your sorrow for whatever it is that happened and you free them and you turn them back into their normal form. Uh, and by doing this, you slowly go back to your true self. It's a very noble story. There's a lot of dramatic tones, but unfortunately what Sea of Solitude suffers from is it's, it's trying to do a little bit too much and none of it is done really, really well. It's a lot of good, but not a lot of great. Uh, and for a game that is so heavy on its narrative and storytelling, one thing that really took me out of this experience was the voice acting. Um, you you hate to single anybody out because voice acting is such a, you know, it's such a specific thing that can be drawn to one contributor to the project. But the voice acting is just not strong. And all of this this game is presented through dialogue and there's not a lot of gameplay. So you're hearing these these um, narrative expositions, a lot of memories and conversations between the characters. And when the voice acting isn't pulling its own weight, that really hurts the resonance of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And so unfortunately with, with not a lot of strong gameplay mechanics and with the voice acting dragging down the, the hit of this story, 
I found myself rooting for the game at every turn, just waiting for it to turn the corner. And there are moments where it's really strong, but overall as a package, it just, it never found its footing. And so unfortunately, while this is in a typical Adam kind of game, I can't really recommend it because it just, it didn't come together strongly for me, unfortunately. That is so disappointing to hear. Um, mm-hmm. I actually, uh, several years ago, I think back in 2015, the end of 2015, uh, Anthony Carboni and I interviewed Cornelia Geppert, who is the uh, lead designer of the Sea of Solitude. Mm-hmm. And she sat down with us in this cafe at PAX and explained what this game was going to be and showed us her pitch. She was going around and pitching it to publishers. Oh, wow. And she was so passionate and just so lovely, such a wonderful human being uh, and really was putting her heart into this game. And uh, it really is a personal thing. It's, it's using a video game to express something that video games don't usually do. And she just seemed so inspiring and it was her first video game and she was uh, going around or first video game that she was heading and uh, she was going around looking for publishers and she was just so passionate about it and really believed in it. And she showed us an early mock-up of how the game was going to be. And it wasn't anything. It wasn't anything. And I, we played it and it, it was like, you know, five minutes of, of playing just on this boat. And she was talking about, well, here there's going to be this big fish that comes out and it's not in the game yet. Or it's not here yet. And there's going to be stuff over here. And it was one of those things where you could really see someone's passion and desire to create something. And, nothing was there yet. She just didn't have the means yet. And I'm so pleased that this actually came to fruition. And she has, you know, this, this, uh, Joe may games, I guess it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was rooting for this game, but I had heard several people say basically what you've said, Adam, which is that it, uh, it, it fell short a bit, I think of her ambition for the project, but hopefully it's something that uh, she and her team can, build upon and, and improve upon at their next release because I was just so taken by her passion and her, uh, her desire to create something beautiful and artful. Um, so I was really rooting for this game, but it's, and, it's, it's sad. And it, it, it shows throughout the entire experience. Like I said, it's, it's more admirable than it is. I'd hate to say good, but that's yeah. really what it boils down to. And you can, it is a very personal story and you feel like there is so much there that it almost buckles under that weight because it's trying to do so many different things, but it just, it doesn't culminate in a, a refined experience. I, I throw it back to again, journey was that, you know, that was minimal storytelling, but at the end of that game, there's such a light bulb moment where you, where you go, Oh, that's what they're trying to say. Yeah. And there's so much that they're saying in this game that it does it doesn't it doesn't culminate in an aha moment. It's just they're just saying a lot, yeah. and it doesn't really sit for a refined package. Well, like I said, hopefully, uh, hopefully that this is a learning experience. But it, it it drives home to me the the fact that man, how long it takes to put something like this together, and even this game, which is admittedly, I think they would be the first to admit a smaller scale thing than a lot of video games we play, uh, smaller team, smaller scope in the game itself, a lower price point. Um, and yet even that it took years and years for this to come together. You know, we were, we were talking to her back in late 2015, early 2016. So 
you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. This it's, it's hard work. So hopefully, uh, the next effort from this team will, will be even better. Yep. Uh, anything else on your, on your playlist? Um, nothing really, uh, a lot to talk about, but I will just say this. I took a road trip this weekend and I brought the switch because that's what you do when you're a good dad, you throw yeah. the switch in the back seat of the car and let your kids play. <laughs> but when I was able to wrestle it, uh, tooth and nail away from my five-year-old, I got back into Baba is you, which I bought on your recommendation on this show. And man, oh, wow. that, that game is just, first of all, it makes me feel really dumb. But yeah. but it is just so creative. Like it's such a great yeah. game. It's so extraordinary. I, I, I wanted yeah. to thank you guys for pointing that out because it is a game where you go on the eShop and you look at screenshots and it's a game that doesn't show well. And it's right. also a game that's extremely difficult to explain. Yes. So f- so hearing you break it down on this show was really what sold it for me. And it's been one of my favorite Switch games of the year for sure. Oh, right on, man. High five because mm-hmm. Yeah, that game breaks your brain, but it is it is just so unique and special, I think. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree. I hope more people uh, continue to discover Baba Is You because uh, it is, man, it is brilliant, brilliant game. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, Christian Spicer, what's on your playlist? Well, one, new PC, who oh, this? Let's get that update. Get that update. Christian Spicer, PC Adventure. <laughs> Did he build it? Did he break it? It's Christian Spicer's PC Adventures. I'm a 90s cartoon and I'm coming to you. My dad is helpful, but get out of my room. Um, I've got a harmonica if you guys want me to you know, type in here. Uh, it would only highlight how out of key we are. <laughs> on C. <laughs> um uh okay so one thank you to everyone who emailed the show telling me uh the stuff i was saying last week didn't make sense uh you're right <laughs> you know just just so you know christian we get those emails every week yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but usually uh, they just ignore them because i think they're all about you but those <laughs> i was like oh jeff clearly isn't the one building a pc um as much as I, I insert Jeff at the beginning of every email where it's like, dear Christian. And I'm like, and especially Jeff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing you said made sense this week. <laughs> especially the stuff Jeff said. And I'm like, yes, someone gets it. Um, so I realized, yeah, yes, I probably said things that weren't right. I, I This is the first PC I've ever built. Um, I, it works. I don't, I honestly don't. You're on it right now. I'm on it right now. You're speaking to us from inside the PC. I literally, I, I'm stuck in it. Yeah. If, if you can come get me out of here, I am stuck. I am in my PC. Um, I don't, I don't know what happened. Um, this is probably wrong. I don't understand it. I never had, uh, I, I it was like booting to like, it, it felt like windows seven. Cause it said I didn't have windows 10, but I was in a Windows, and then I had my Windows 10 uh, ISO file, and I loaded that, and I did a thing, and I opened it up, and I basically undid almost everything except for the CPU, and I put them exactly the same way. Like, exactly. I took a picture before, put it right back. Um, it works. You took it out, you put it back in, and it fixed it? I um, I, I also reinstalled Windows 10, but I was already in a Windows environment. I downloaded a metric butt-ton of drivers <laughs> for my motherboard, and 
I started installing all of them. And then halfway through, it was just like done. And I was like, you did two. If it, it says it's done, I, I don't know. And I'm sorry, PC enthusiasts that like know this stuff. And I'm probably driving you up a wall right now. I wish I had like a concise, like, oh, yeah, my warblurzers were backwards and I had to reconfigure them. And now it works. I, I honestly, I don't know what this version of Windows it was booting to because I wasn't like doing a safe boot. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And that's the magic. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, as uh, Dan Trump says in chat, and then it caught fire. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's been several days now. It turns on and off. Fine. It restarts. I've played games on it. Uh, I ran benchmarks on it. I liked the numbers I saw, you know, like it's, uh, I'm feeling pretty good until it catches fire. Um, Yeah. But it works. So thank you to everybody. I tried. Basically, if you sent me something, I tried it, you know, so you fixed it, <laughs> dear yeah. listener. You if fixed you it. sent me something, I tried it. <laughs> Put a towel on it. I don't know. Yeah, it was you like, get, I mean, uh, that fixed some iced tea. Yeah, it wanted it, I guess. I don't know. Wrapping an Xbox 360 in a towel fixed that. I'm just saying. Yeah. You named it. I tried it. I looked up numbers for how hot things are running. Everything's to be perfectly in line with what it should be doing. Well, then benchmarks then how you are you happy with your 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 sweet num nums i mean for today but i'm sure tomorrow i'll be like ah my num nums um no i'm very happy with my num nums show for numbers <laughs> yeah um also for delicious things that toddlers eat <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I serve my toddler numbers num nums not numbers num nums um uh yeah so i um I ran some benchmarks. They were great. And then I had a free copy of Wolfenstein Youngblood that came with my 2070 Super. And uh, remember last week when I was like playing on Switch, I can't believe this game's running on Switch. Yes, I know it's the worst version of the game, but there's something incredible about playing it as I look over, um, you know, Yellowstone and uh, Teton National Forest and stuff like that. And I still stand by that. But um, if you ever want to do a comparison, the way to do it is to have a Switch version on the same screen that you then have a PC version running ultra everything mm. at 144 frames per second on your G sync monitor to make you, my question is, did you get the switch version out of the garbage? after you threw it in? <laughs> Dude, I was like, I just want to see, cause I'm, you know, I'm pretty far along on the switch version, right? Like I was on a, a week of vacay more or less, which meant, um, I played Switch games. No, um, I did a lot of hiking, but I, I'm pretty far in the Switch version. I was like, well, I have this free copy on the PC. The PC's running. It's supposed to be a pretty well-optimized game. I've also did uh, the Gears 5 thing is over. So I played some Gears 4, real nice. Forza, 4, Forza Horizon 4, uh, real nice. More Metro Exodus, real nice. Um, and then what else did I try on it? Whatever. But Wolfenstein, I was like, I just want to see, what, I got to see what this looks like, you know, see what I can do. And um, I played a lot. <laughs> uh i replayed a whole bunch of stuff that i've already put on switch and kept playing on pc where now i think i'm about where i am on switch on pc i i really enjoy the game i stand by everything i said last week where i think it it pushes the franchise forward in new and exciting ways in a way that i think a numbered sequel wouldn't have done and i don't think they should adopt all of the stuff they did for this um, in the next one, but I like that they took chances. Like you come back to areas and the same enemy set has respawned, um, which is like, I get that maybe you're in a 
Parisian street occupied by Nazi forces. And just because you eliminate uh, one round of Nazi forces, they're not going to be like, well, we won't send anyone else back there. Like I could kind of suspend disbelief to be like, yeah, they're going to send people back. Um, But not like the same five people, you know? So it's (laughs) things like that, like the mechanics of the game, I think could be better, but I really enjoy it. And it is very pretty. It does not have ray tracing enabled yet, which is like, a little interesting. It would. It's Wolf, Wolfenstein Youngblood and Control were the two games that Nvidia was offering as this, you know, buy an RTX card promotion. And Control launches with ray tracing, and Wolfenstein. It's like I don't know. <laughs> um, it's 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 coming in the uh, in the future. But even without ray tracing, it is a, a pretty pretty game. And uh, Jeff, you still have not started it. Is that correct? That is correct. That is yeah. correct. I, it's a hard uh, game to play right now. I'm not going to yes. lie. Um, but what are what console do you have it on? Xbox, Xbox or PC? One. Yeah. Okay. Well, I still will not play with you then. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah. So one, beautiful. Two, PC works. Three, ready for this? What game has Christian played on every console he owns, including his old PC and current PC, and has played the same more or less five hours of it? Anyone? Diablo three Warframe. Uh, <laughs> you tried, you, you tried to get back into it and it failed. No. So I, I've, I'm back into it and I've got back to that same five hours that I've played. I was like, I'm going to start again. You know, like I isn't the new, whole thing or maybe that hasn't launched yet, but I thought the whole thing was that hasn't launched new, yet. Hasn't launched yet. There's going to be a new uh, onboarding thing, right? New, new, yeah. new for new players moment. Yeah. I don't even know if that has a date. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, if you're listening and you know, but I, I was like, I got it. I want to do the thing on the, on the PC with the thing. And I, I'm, I want to stick with it. It's, it's a good game and a game that we talk about only as existing and continuing to be a good game. But I feel like you and I and our guests way to go, Adam. Um, you know i I personally have not given enough time to because it's like i get into it and then i know it's a it can be a forever game and then a new like discrete game comes out and i get distracted then i don't go back to it like oh it's on switch now this is the time i'll actually play it and i play that first five hours and i get distracted by something else and i don't come back to it so i'm back to where i've been on playstation xbox and switch now on pc and uh Man, Digital Extremes, they they uh they made a real good game and I'm very curious to see what this, you know, current next reboot of it is. Um but if you haven't checked it out, there's a lot of game there that is uh free. It's it's pretty it's a pretty good game. It's Warframe. This is this is the magic of podcasts is you talk about games that you play across every single platform for hours and hours and my my reality is I I turn on a game and I get maybe four or five and a half minutes out of it before my son steals the controller for me. So uh, <laughs> I, I get to live vicariously through these podcasts, Christian. So um, I, I'm okay, right so there, there with maybe, you, man. Maybe not Warframe or Wolfenstein, Adam. I would not. <laughs> yeah. <look at> it. <laughs> yeah. Warframe maybe more because it's like aliens and whatnot, but not Wolfenstein. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Um. Yeah. It's uh. You know, it's really interesting this this style of game that, and I, I'm curious to see you know where I get where because I, I like endings. You know, like Jeff, we've talked about it mm-hmm. enough on this show. I like I like 
being done with something. It's always sad to read the last chapter of your favorite book, um, or, you know, finish the latest Thrawn book and not knowing you're going to get the next one. Um, but I like that it ends and Warframe doesn't, right? And, and, and Destiny, I like that it ended for me. I like the way Destiny 2 launched. And I was like, I have all the best gear. Goodbye. Um, so I'm curious. I, I want to put in my goal that I've set for myself is 20 hours. I want to put 20 hours into Warframe and um, and see where it, where I leave see if on. It so leads I'm, to 100 hours. Yeah, yeah. So I'm 15. I'm five in. 15. About 15 to go. And uh, as long as my PC doesn't catch fire, you'll hear more about it <laughs> in coming weeks. Cool, man. Uh, Warframe is a game that it, it, it sits in the same place for me. Of like, oh, man, I would love to have another lifetime where I could just be super into that game as well as other things. But it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for those mm-hmm. forever games. You can't. You can't have more than one, really. And even that is a challenge these days. Um, I want to kind of put my money where my mouth is this week and not really talk about any games with guns in them. So I'm going to talk about um, a game that just hit Game Pass, and it's called Pandemic, and it's based on the board game from Asmodee uh, called Pandemic, which is really, truly one of the best board games ever made, in my opinion. Uh, Matt Leacock-designed game. And um, it is a cooperative board game where you're trying to prevent a massive global disease from several of them to be honest, several diseases from spreading around the world. And there is now a video game version, a digital version that is also on Game Pass. So it's effectively free. Came out on my birthday, August 1st, uh, and uh, is effectively free on Game Pass. It's also available on Switch. And it's a really uh, well-done version of the board game. I haven't, I was, like I said, I was gone this weekend um, to my sister's wedding. So I haven't had a chance to play a ton of it as much as I would like to really know how well the AI does. But uh, there are a bunch of different difficulty settings and the interface is really slick and smooth. It looks great. And it's a wonderful version of the board game pandemic uh, that I love so much and play so often. And um, uh, I think it would be cool to have on Switch on the go. Uh, the game is great strategy. It's basically trying to put off the inevitable, <laughs> put off bad stuff happening over and over and over again, which can be a little daunting. But uh, you know, these you're flying around the world with a team of scientists. Each scientist has a special move, a special uh, ability that they can do that allows them to be useful in flying around the world. And there's all these different cities on this big map that have outbreaks uh, periodically of these various diseases. And you have to go and try to squelch the outbreaks and while also researching cures for these diseases and then delivering those cures where they're needed to eradicate the diseases. But the longer you, you work on that, you're putting off the, prevention of spreading of the disease around the world. So it's all this prioritizing. And the longer you allow a disease to spread, the harder it's going to be. Eventually, if it bumps into a, a an area, a city on the map that has already gotten the disease, it'll compound and explode. And there'll be this big outbreak that spreads to a bunch of neighboring cities. So things can get real bad real fast. Uh, but it's cool. I mean, you're using science to go around the world and stop diseases and try to come up with their cures. And, uh, I love the, I love the board game version. 
the legacy version is even cooler on, on the table, um, pandemic legacy, because it actually tells the story over multiple games. And I'm hoping if this digital version does well, they will release the legacy version and that it will uh, be playable on the digital format as well. I think if I'm reading correctly uh, on the brink, which is one of the board games expansions that adds new rules and a, I think a sixth disease um, uh, that game or uh, that expansion, I think is coming to the digital version as well uh, in a few months. So Throw your switch away. Like I, yeah. you know, I, I love the version. It's like, congrats! You just built your new PC. Rip out your graphics card. What? No, rip it out. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it away. Mark it up. No. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, cool game. No guns. Uh, for you know, one week. I thought I'd just do that. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's move on. In fact, uh, we got a listener who sent in a review, uh, which you can do. If you think that we haven't talked about a, your favorite game or a game you're interested in or just a game that caught your fancy for a while and you wanted us to know about, or if we talked about the game but we didn't talk about it the way you wanted, we encourage you to send in your review to the show. You can send that to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one comes from uh, Philip Shaw, who writes, This one came as a bit of a shock, but purely to make fun of my wife's fear of rodents. A Plague Tale Innocence is without reservation one of the best games of this year and in the absence of Splinter Cell, one of the best stealth experiences available now. Wow. Set in 100-year war era, rural France, you mainly play as Amicia Derune, the teenage daughter of a local lord and lady. You have a sick younger brother called Hugo who you need to lead by the hand through certain situations. So far, so simple. When things take a turn for the worst in the game, Amicia has to use stealth and distraction to guide her brother to safety through increasingly complex scenarios. The star of the show here are the waves and waves of grotesque rats that spring out of the ground and come at you in an all-consuming wave. They are a fantastic and striking mechanic in the game. And by the time you first encounter them, you are well-versed in the mechanics of stealth. The rats are afraid of light and fire. So you may enter an area that is carpeted by thousands of the creatures, except for small havens of light. It is usually the case that you need to find ways of getting from one island of light to the other while using stealth, alchemy, and basic physics puzzles. Despite the game being quite linear, there is plenty of scope for using your own solutions to the problems created, especially in the later levels. In the first quarter, the game alternates between stealth missions with human enemies trying to kill and capture you with the aforementioned rat missions. Soon, however, you get a combination of both, meaning the rats that were once the bane of your existence can be turned on your enemies. Your sling is your only weapon, but this is more than enough in the context of the game. An enemy without a helmet can be killed with a rock to the head. One with a helmet needs it to be knocked off first, and armored ones need different approaches. In mixed enemy rat areas, the enemies are just as scared of the rodent menace as you are and carry lanterns and flaming torches that can be extinguished with a well-placed shot. Once that protection goes away, the rats make short work of an enemy. The stealth gameplay may seem simplistic, but in fact, it just makes sense. Taking many of the easy options out of stealth games, like the tech in Metal Gear, means you need to use your brain to get around these challenges. Of course, the excellent mechanics and gameplay are only half the picture here. The graphics and story are both AAA. From the ocean of rats to the use of light, the game pops off the screen. 
You're never in doubt as to when you are safe from rats and when you are in the danger zone. The character models are great and the cutscenes generate genuine emotion as the tragic story unfolds. By the end, you will have been on a roller coaster of loss and trauma. If there's one minor gripe, the last section of the game can feel a little cheap. You have to contend with enemies that can throw spears and with archers who seem to be a dead shot with their bows. As one hit kills, this can lead to a few restarts when you think you are behind cover but get picked off. There are also two pretty annoying boss fights toward the end that took me multiple tries. The reason they stand out compared to the rest of the game is their over-reliance on luck and positional sense. In both, you have to run to locations with tiny windows of opportunity. The rest of the game allows for careful planning before you execute your plan. When you're forced to move quickly, the movement isn't precise enough. It's a small complaint, but the last hour of the game is more frustrating than the previous 14 combined. A Plague Tale Innocence really is a contender for my game of the year. The title suggests we may get sequels in the future, and I can only hope so. If not, this will be one of the sleeper hits of this generation and will hopefully be talked about for generations to come. Thank you for that awesome review, Philip. Uh, that's not the first person I've heard talk very highly of A Plague Tale Innocence, and you make it sound uh, pretty good. It still doesn't sound like my type of game, but uh, Philip seemed to think it wasn't his type of game either and ended up loving it. So, Well, it's similar uh, to what I only bought my new PC as like a joke for my wife too. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's terrified of rats. She's terrified of new PCs, and I was like, hey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my wife or debt. My wife is terrified of new PCs. Price tag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Awesome. Again, if you want to have your review read right on the show, send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have our parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But Adam Leonard, thank you so much for being here, sir. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. This was a blast. It was uh, it was an honor to be with you guys. Well, it was great having you. We'll, we'll have to have you back on hopefully a less uh, <laughs> roller coaster ride of, of an episode. But in the meantime, where can people follow you and your work online? Yeah. So like I said before, I am one half of Megadads. Most people know us for our podcast, Megadads Live. Um, we also do a web comic, which is semi-regular, and we do spotlights on our website of parents in the gaming industry. You can find everything that we do at megadads.org. You can find me on Twitter. I am at the art of Adam L. Awesome. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? I'll be at Flappers in Burbank if you're in the LA area on Thursday doing a set, working on um, some new stuff. The, I don't know if this will work, but uh, a, a bit that I'm working on right now is it's old. It's already old, but I still like it. So I think it's because I was in Wyoming. I just started thinking about free solo and the idea of celebrating death defying stunts mm. um, is it's that's, that's a premise that I'm wrestling with right now that I, I think there's something funny there of being like, they did a thing more dangerously than anyone else did it. Um, so that's not the joke, but that's the, that's the nugget of inspiration behind it. I like it. Um, like you might not know this, but I've been doing this whole podcast perilously hung over a vat of acid, which <laughs> has made it uh, way more incredible. <laughs> Uh, there's, that, there's a joke an audio there. medium, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, been, that, that's a I've been recording this with a crippling fear of getting kicked in the nuts. 
<laughs> Rightfully so. But no, don't even – don't fear it. It's never happened in 30-plus yeah, years, Adam. I have it will never happen. <laughs> yeah. And if it does okay, happen, I, I'm I'll, not sleeping tonight. <laughs> I will take it down so quickly. You won't even know what happened. <laughs> um, and then Twitter is a good way to keep in touch for any other LA shows. I don't think I have anything on the road that I know of yet. Yeah, at Spicer. And then I stream this show um, when I'm home, uh, when I'm around, uh, usually at 7.15 p.m. So usual recording time on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Uh, Jeff, what about you? Well, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I talk about movies over at the Slash Filmcast, which is at slashfilmcast.com. We talk about movies and TV shows and all that stuff. But the thing I'm uh, really most proud of these days is my newest show, and that is called The Dungeon Run. Uh, it is where I get to make up this great story with a bunch of really talented actors and crafts people, and they make it happen. <laughs> uh, it's it's extraordinary. I'm playing live Dungeons and Dragons. I'm the dungeon master, and so uh, I'm I'm telling a telling a story that the players are playing through, and we're doing it with the benefit of extremely awesome uh, TV and movie crew, which shoot it like a television show, make props and set pieces like something out of uh, out of a TV show. Uh, there's an animatronic puppet that hosts the show. It's really extraordinary. And the last few weeks have been incredible. I mean, uh, there's been crying and laughing and real emotion. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. Uh, and I'm so honored to be a part of it. I hope you check it out. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's called The Dungeon Run. And don't feel like you have to watch from the first episode. Their episodes are long. You can hop right in. Every episode starts with a previously on that I do. So you can check out uh, wherever you like. Uh, I think actually episode three or episode five are great jumping on points, but really any episode is great. And we're on episode 15 now. So uh, you can also find it as an audio podcast. That's a good way to wa- uh, listen to uh, long form shows or the best way, the way that is most interactive because the audience actually influences the story is to show up live on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. All right. Also, also, you guys got some sick merch. Oh yeah, we got we got shirts now. Uh, it's pretty sweet. They're actually really really cool. Our old friend JP Kuvert designed several of them. Yeah, I saw them. I saw you sporting one not too long ago. Yeah. It looks cool. It's great. Yeah, they're really slick. Very very cool stuff. Um, all right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Adam, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. So one of the things that is the best about being a parent is exposing your kids to the things that you loved growing up. And a big part of growing up for me was movies. So I've been you know, exposing my son Elliot to all the great 80s movies. And he recently fell in love with E.T., which Named is Elliot, perfect. Yeah. Which is perfect, right? Um, so this is a movie that we watched and he has asked time and time to go to to go back to. And I'm just I can't wait to expose him to Back to the Future and Raiders of the Lost Ark at a certain point. Uh but I just I think it's great when you when you get to expose kids and show kids things that 
you know, those things don't bubble up much in today's conversation. Everybody's on YouTube and, you know, those kids these days. But uh, show show your kids something that meant a lot to you when you were that age. And you'll be surprised how they hold up, especially if you share them with your kid. I'm very much looking forward to my kids getting to an age where that we can do that. I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Does he walk around going, Elliot? Yeah, he's, he tried to explain the movie to me. He's like, can we watch that movie with the with the monster and the boy? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And yeah, he's, he's really into it now. Uh, you know, actually, uh, Dan Trachtenberg gave my son uh, the gift of a children's storybook version of E.T. Oh, you're kidding. Um, so he's been reading. We, he knows the story of E.T. through the book without seeing the movie. Yeah. You give him E.T. and Back to the Future. They're both really well made, really good. And it's it's so interesting how kids don't pick up on the fact that those are of another age. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's, so there's so many old relic, you know, technology for one. And he, it just goes right over his head because the storytelling is so great. Hmm. Cool. Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? Well, speaking of Mr. Trachtenberg, um, the wife and I started watching The Boys. It is on Amazon. Um, so I cannot speak for you, but I can speak for my wife and I. And she was like, hey, let's let's start something new because um, I want to watch something with you. Because a lot of times I consume more media than she does. So, I'll, you know, she didn't want me to start watching episode seven, season six of some show that I'm in the middle of. Right. So I was like, okay, cool. And she's like, I didn't tell her anything about it. I wasn't like, this is based off a comic, whatever. We started watching it. She loves it. Mm. Absolutely loves it. We blew through many episodes here uh, over the last few days. And I think the show is incredible. I I love um, its take on the comic. And I think the the acting, the the script, I mean, it is not for everybody. This is a, a mature story, a hundred percent. The pilot lets you, lets you know that um, pretty quickly, but I, I feel like they sell the world so well that it feels real and lived in. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. I, I'm really enjoying it, and it's the boys um, based on the comic, and it's available on Amazon. And I, the reason I said speaking, of Mr. Trackenberg, he directed the pilot. Yeah, first um, episode. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, check it out if you haven't. It's uh, I think all eight episodes, I believe, make up the first season yeah. are available on Amazon. Super cool. I have not had a chance to watch it yet. I'm very, very excited to. Um, but uh, yeah. I'm, it's real good. I'm going to watch it with my wife now. Try it. I mean, I, I, I wasn't expecting her not to like it. You know, I wasn't like, gotcha, haha. But I was just like, what is this? I was like, oh, it's a new show on Amazon. And she was like, I love this. Like, she really got sucked into the world. Hey, so this has been a pretty special episode. As I said, we started it with a, a heavy heart, at least I did. Um, and this is a very special parting gift uh, that was sent to us um, from Carrie from Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, I want to read it. Uh, it. It moved me, and I hope uh, you are still listening to our show so it, it will uh, register for you, dear listener, as well. Uh, this was sent to us to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, this says, uh, hi, Jeff and Christian. I hope this helps someone. When the doctor tells you that you have cancer, it definitely sucks. When he tells you that there is nothing they can really do and you'll probably be dead in a few years, you wonder what you could have done differently. It turns out that I should have been a geek and sneaks and that I should have powered through workouts. 
They tell me that my sedentary lifestyle meant my body was more susceptible to cancer and that exercise would have reduced the risk. Who knew? Nobody had ever given me a specific reason to exercise. It's usually just some vague hand-waving about being healthy, whatever that means. So my parting gift is to let you all know that there are real consequences to not exercising. I now know that in addition to reducing the chance of cancer, exercise also reduces the risk of heart attack, helps with depression, and means you will have a better quality of life when you get older. Your body is a machine, and exercise is what keeps it working well. I know you have never had a heart attack or cancer, and that you're not that overweight, and maybe you are young and invincible, but please consider just for a moment that maybe you're not special. Perhaps you can suffer from health issues too. If you want to learn more about why you don't want cancer, there is a terrifying and heartwarming and terrifying cancer diary on YouTube by Pee Wee Toms that shows the reality of a long, slow cancer death. After watching it, you might like to pick up some sneakers or a bicycle helmet or swimming trunks. I wish I had. Geeks and sneaks, I salute you. Carrie, the Prince fan from Auckland, New Zealand, who says, P.S. It's fine. We all die. I wish I had some more years, but I'm 52 and my kids are grown up. I hope I get to see the PS5, but in reality, I'm not doing much gaming these days, so it doesn't really matter. When you don't have much time, your priorities change. That said, I am having the odd game of Snakey Bus on PC, which is strangely compelling. A strangely compelling little game. Love the show. So, I'm honored that you wrote that in, Carrie. I hope if someone needs to hear that, they heard it. I really appreciate you listening and uh, using our show to get that word out. I know it probably wasn't easy writing that email. And uh, we love you, man. Thank you for sharing. I think to all of you who are listening, uh, this was a different kind of episode and a different kind of week. And uh, we started with a heavy heart. I think we're ending with a heavy heart, but I'm certainly grateful to Adam Leonard and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to our musical contributors, Patrick L, Sean Madigan and Zero Star. And I am very grateful to all of you who come along on this journey and let us be introspective and talk about the things we love and ask ourselves questions and wrestle with these things, uh, life and death and love. <laughs> That's what it's all about. And I'm grateful that you invite us into your ear holes every week to do that. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.